Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to another episode of Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a backsack and crack waxer, and I love film. As Meghan Markle once said, I love Ralph Lauren. As I travel so much, I prefer to shop online. Also, have you seen Shoplifting? It's fucking brilliant. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. And this week, my guest is the brilliant stand-up, Mr. Sean McLaughlin. If you've never heard the show before, subscribe, check out previous guests, including Ricky Gervais, Nish Kumar, Catherine Ryan, amongst many other heroes. Big Shout out to Lolly Adafope and all the people who came to the BFI last night for the live show. It was so good and the audience answers were so amazing. They were so moving and shit. I couldn't believe it. What a great gang. Please come again. BFI have announced we'll be doing these shows every couple of months now. So follow me on Twitter at Brett Goldstein and on Instagram at Mr. Brett Goldstein to keep up to date with those and any of my other stand-up gigs. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content please come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions, you'll get videos, you'll get guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of things. And best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, you don't have to hear this bit about becoming a Patreon member. You get the episode, you don't get any ads, you don't get any stuff like this. It's just pure, unfiltered ep. Give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, here we go. Sean McLaughlin. He is one of the best stand-ups working in the UK. He's been Ricky Gervais' tour support for his Humanity Tour, and he is now embarking on his own solo tour, and I really recommend you get to see him. He is a proper classical stand-up. No gimmicks, no nothing, just a person being really honest and incredibly funny into a mic. I've always been a fan of his. He is genuinely one of the greats. And such a lovely boy. But one word of warning for this episode... Do not, under any circumstances, play a drinking game where you have to drink a shot every time you hear the word Moneyball or you will die. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 30 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to (laughs) Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. And I am joined today by writer, actor, I've seen it, mm. nice man, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen that, computer game player, sometimes, 
He tweets, does a good Insta story, but most of all, he is arguably one of the finest comics of his generation. Please welcome to the show, it's the one and only Sean McLaughlin. Hi everyone. That's a very nice introduction. Oh, he's an incredible stand-up. Make no mistake, you've been supporting Ricky Gervais on tour mm-hmm. for quite a while now, I believe. I did a bit on the last one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Played Stadia. Yeah. You? Some pretty big places. Been playing the Stadia. It was pretty, um, yeah, I can't complain. What did you learn from playing the Stadia? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so not representative of my career. When you go out, there were some that were so big yeah. that it was kind of a joke. Like, people were laughing who were there backstage because they knew it was ridiculous that I was playing them. Right. Every, I, every time I went out and mm. did a really, really big one, I always thought, this is the last time I'll ever do something like this. <laughs> so just enjoy it. Did you often feel like people are going, oh, we didn't know there was another, there was a support act. What the fuck is this? Yeah, a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the time there was that. <laughs> okay. A lot. But I've done a bit of tour support, and so I think I can make it so I'm unassuming enough that it isn't offensive to them right. that I'm there. Do you, like, fight for them to tune into you, or do you just sort of accept some of them aren't going to, or how do you have a strategy? It really de- it depended on, on the Ricky ones, because a lot of them, particularly the UK dates, I'd go on and the room wouldn't be full. Right. It would still People would still be kind of coming in. Oh, I see, right. So there's only so much fighting you can do when there's... <laughs> when when they go, not well, sat down yet. We're not going to be in hysterics because we don't know where we're going. <laughs> we're just walking we're around. We're looking for romance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so with those, it's, you just sort of had to develop a skill of starting slowly right. and just sort of slowly building up and making it so it kind of reaches a crescendo when they're all there and watching. Which Did is, you- it, it's... Your ego takes a few hits mm. figuring that out. But when you do figure it out, I found it very rewarding. So you just had to go, in 10 minutes, they'll be into this. Right? Well, you hope they will. In general, the gigs went, went well. I think it's, it's, it's a shame, really. You, you, I've got a, such a, a, a skill, and it doesn't transfer to anything else. Um, but they were, I mean, they're, they're great, you know. That's it's such a cool experience. It's so weird, like... yeah. Ah. It's interesting that in England, it was the UK dates that people were still getting drinks. And in the other dates, they were all sat down. I don't, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if what I said is true. I think it was because, no, it is true. (laughs) I think maybe because it's a bigger deal. He was going to a lot of places in Europe that he'd never been before. Right, okay. And so it was a big deal. Like we were in Iceland. Wow. And it was amazing in Reykjavik for two nights. It's like he's never, yeah, he's never been there. And yeah. so, of course, they came early. If they think the show starts at half seven, they, yeah, they're there they for half know. seven. Yeah. yeah. And then they get me. I don't know they get stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> We've been had. Absolute mugs. <laughs> Who's this? Everyone in Iceland is a mug. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about film, Sean? I saw you do a bit of acting the other day. Did you? Am I allowed to say that? Well, you're allowed to say whatever you want. I think I am allowed to say it because I've talked about it in the thing. I've seen... A... It was when I was pretending I was Spanish to get out of a parking ticket. Yeah, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> it didn't work, but, but they did believe you were Spanish. Como te llamas? I've seen uh, Afterlife, the new show for Netflix, for Rings of Ace, mm-hmm. and you have a small but important part where you play a stand-up. I play a but hack, a hack you comedian. You play a bad stand-up. 
Yeah. And you were very convincing. <laughs> it's <laughs> the, you know, really the role good. I was born for. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, lovely performance. That's nice. I was amazed how nervous I was. Mm. It's so different. It's so, so different. This is because w- you're not in total control of it? Is that what you think? Because it is different, but for you, what, does, what do you think it is? I mean, I found it very lovely. Like, Ricky was really nice. and yeah. he, he, he called me before and said, hey, I've got this little bit I'd like you to do. And everyone in the crew was amazing. Like, everyone was lovely and mm-hmm. welcoming. But it's, I'm just so not used to it. I'm kind of not really that used to being in front of cameras, I think, as well. Yeah. Like, I've done stand-up on telly. But there's, I'm still not that relaxed about it. If I'm honest, I probably shouldn't admit that. <laughs> Have you <laughs> done acting before? Have you done other things? Not no. much. I did like a bit in school. I'd be in like little plays sometimes. Right. But I never, not on telly. Yeah. Did you find the thing, took me a long time to get used to, that like it's actually quite a weird uh, system. The, the what's the word? The trope of how TV and film are made. Mm. That you're, you have this moment, you're all set up, you're all ready. And then there is this, Camera, speedy, sound, action. It's such a like, so if you're nervous, yeah. it's this thing where it's going, build up, camera, sound, yeah, yeah. Thing, and then action. He's like, oh, I've got to do this really relaxed thing. I'm really relaxed. <laughs> it was like, um, you know, in school when there's like sports day, mm. and then you're like, you're, you have to do a race, mm. and all day it's like, oh, fuck, I have to do a race. Yeah. And then suddenly you find yourself there, and the race is about to start, and you think, fucking hell. Yeah. And then they go, or I shoot a gun they or whatever. Shoot a gun. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, We've got to look totally normal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I found it okay. It helped that I was playing a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And I was in a scene where basically loads of people were facing me. Yeah. And I didn't have to walk. Isn't that one of the <laughs> toughest things in acting is walking? Walking and what to do with your hands. Yeah. I just had to be... No, walking's fine. It's standing still. Without anything to do, anything yeah. in your hands. <laughs> yeah, I always felt like I had something to do. Yeah, and you had a mic and a stand for both. Your hands were taken care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, were your instincts to make it funnier, like your stand-up ins- playing a not-great-comedian, where you're going, fuck, it's annoying not to I f- a proper joke on this? I found it quite uh, liberating, because you kind of have to be a jackass. Right. You kind of have to be a gurning... I, ha- I-, I sort of... I expected that they wanted to me, me to be like a gurning idiot. Yeah. And You're I. Quite uh, subtle in it, if I may say. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think you come across like a sort of broad caricature. Well, if, any, you know, if anyone's listening wants to cast me, I swear to God, man, it beats stand up. I had a trailer. They yeah. gave me food. They brought me clothes. Yeah. They, were, they picked me up from my house. Yeah, they treat you with, with far more respect than you deserve when you're an actor, I yeah. think. I mean, you're a comedian. And when you're a comedian, zero. Do you think you get less, less than you deserve? Or do you think you get what you I deserve? I think, it depends. sometimes I think, yeah. But sometimes I think the fact that, yeah, like you could sort of just get like repeatedly, uh, they could just sort of throw shit at you when you're a stand-up. <laughs> like the, the people running the gig. Yeah, you yeah, could walk yeah. into an underground base and they could throw shit at you and go, get on, you're on now. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd be like, oh, thank you for the gig. <laughs> I think it's, it's relentlessly... Humbling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, really... I, think I, I think I've got this. And the audience goes, no, you ain't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I'm... in acting, you can turn up to do like one line in there, but someone's feeding you tea and like you're like the queen for a day. Yeah. It's weird. Even when we did, when we did uh, Derek, you know, it was six weeks shoot and mm. you just, 
and you you know we're all nice and be like thank you thank you thank you yeah, fine yeah, yeah. thank you but you end up sat in that old people's home which was the set we sat just sat in chairs all day and all day people were going do you want a cup of tea do you want, a, do you yeah. want some biscuits do you want a <laughs> and after four weeks even though you're always going no thank you oh thank you so much thank you so much you just get you, you do get used to it so you sort of mm. go yeah i'll have a <laughs> and then by week six you go where's my fucking tea it is that job that's so weird and i think it's that kind of in general, in show business, I always, whenever anyone offered me tea mm. anywhere, I'd go like, oh, I'll make it if you want. Yeah, yeah. Even if I was somewhere else, even if I was at, in someone else's office. Yeah. But now it's like, I won't even, I won't even look you in the eye. <laughs> you catch me on the right day and I go, yeah, I will have a coffee. Milk, milk and sugar. You should know that. <laughs> I'm not answering that again. <laughs> I'm not wasting breath. I said that day won't. Um, I think it was um, it, it sort of sometimes seems quite romantic like the, you know there's a story about John Belushi on the set of Blues Brothers and obviously he had a lot of problems he had, he had a lot of problems and he was incredibly talented and he had a lot of problems but I do think maybe acting was an enabler <laughs> like he was making the Blues Brothers and they said he wasn't they, they, so often he could, they couldn't find him and at one point he'd just gone to some random person's house knocked on their door asked if he could make a sandwich and then he'd fallen asleep on their sofa. Oh, wow. And it's like, you look at that and you go, wow, it's a great story about how he was this free spirit, he was yeah. kind of having troubles. But I think That's there it. are a lot of people who had a job to do. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was, yeah. if you were at a comedy club and one of the acts hadn't turned up and you found out that they'd just gone to a stranger's house and slept on their, what do you mean they're asleep on their sofa? <laughs> we're never, so we're never working with them again. It's so true. You wouldn't book them again. Yeah. You wouldn't go, it's charming. They're an artist. Yeah. You go, get off the fucking seat. You're supposed to be on stage. That's that, I hope that doesn't come across as me being insensitive. Because he had massive drug problems. I know people who've done that. Yeah. It, but I, you always, you know. I think the point is, because the other problem with acting, and then we will move on to film stuff, is mm. there's a reason that you are offered tea and given a food and stuff and, and treated like a child, which is often... To do with continuity is just a realistic thing. Like, you cannot get shit on your clothes, otherwise yeah, you're yeah. going to slow down production. Yeah. So therefore someone has to feed you. Or, you G- Jim Carrey like, is dressed as the Grinch. He can't oh, go to Burger King yeah. on his own. Yeah. So there is, like, sort of technical reasons for mm. mollycoddling you, is that the word? It's just about... It's just about respect, I think. But you like films, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I really... Yeah. I do like films. Yeah? Watch um, them a lot? I well, you asked me to do this show, which I was very honoured to be asked. A pleasure to I'm glad honoured you're here. And I sort of, I used to love films so much. Right, they were my thing. Like when I was a teenager, I just I loved them, and I yeah. loved going to the cinema and I loved watching them. And I'd read about them all the time. And then uh, something happened. I don't know when. I just suddenly I stopped watching them. Gradually, it became less and less of a thing. And now I'm in a position where I I don't really go to the cinema that often. I don't watch that many films. Breaking my heart. It's really weird because what since... Happens? Porn. What, discovered the, porn. The advent of porn. <laughs> yes, the advent of <laughs> pornography. Internet pornography happened, didn't it? Well, that's still a film, isn't it? Yeah. Tell me it is because a lot of my answers... <laughs> uh, that's made zero difference. Go on. Uh, what, um... But I, I sort of, since you asked me to do it, I've sort of started watching more films. I think I started watching television properly. Okay. When was the last time you went to the cinema? The Summer. What did you see? The Incredibles 2. What a great film. It was really time? brilliant. Do you know what the worst thing is? Yeah. I went uh, with my sister, who works in a cinema. Where does she work? She works at the Curzon in Mayfair. 
No shit. Which is amazing. Yeah. And loads of celebrities go there. Yeah. And it's an amazing cinema. And she used to work for the Genesis and Whitechapel, which is also an amazing cinema. It's a great cinema. So I could go to these amazing cinemas for free whenever I wanted. Yeah. And yet I, I didn't go that often. God, this is so stupid, isn't it? But you think it's because you got into TV and you thought, I've I got d- no time for this. I no, don't okay. know why. I don't know why I stopped. Because I do, even just since you asked me to do this yeah. and I've watched more or rewatched things, I've, I owe you a debt of gratitude. I'm, I owe you thanks because you've got me reinvigorated with it. Oh, great. Um, well. No one knows why people stop doing things, right? Uh, well, it's usually some kind of trauma. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> Sunny. Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, now, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot to tell you. Mm-hmm. Speaking of trauma... Oh, I probably should have told you this when you got here. Mm-hmm. Oh, what an idiot that I left it this long. What? Oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I don't even know how to put this. It's not going to freak you out. Yeah? Um, oh, I just have to say it. You've... Uh, oh, God. You've uh, you've died? You died. Whoa. Yeah. How did you die? Based on how I've been feeling, mm. and based on what I was doing last night, I imagine it's 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 liver collapse. Your liver collapse? <laughs> I drank too much shit red wine and my liver has collapsed. Christ. Yeah. So you were, you were out drinking I, too much I went out wine? last night mm-hmm. and I, I thought I, you know, I had a few. I yeah. didn't think it was that bad, but evidently I'd... Liver collapsed. Well, it must have done. Yeah. Then you died. Oh, yeah. Or maybe I choked on vomit. Some booze-related... <laughs> just to... Just to... Just, just, to to be, just to be clear, this is your choice. <laughs> you get to choose this. So... All right. I'm yeah, you can stick ass- with that. Assassinated... Yes. By powerful company. Whoa, for f- spreading, because my I spread too much peace. Mm, okay. Over what? <laughs> On YouTube? <laughs> Where are you spreading this? How are you spreading this peace? Just door to door. Is that better? Is that better than... Uh, I basically, I'm trying to tell the you and the listeners that I'm very hungover. <laughs> uh, so you were spreading peace door to door. Yeah. And a With a bottle company. of wine in my hand. Red wines. Your liver was close to collapse, but you were like... <laughs> I don't think this is me yet. It's yeah. It's in peace. And then a company that you can't name now. Some evil global company. Some Illuminati. The Illuminati. Yeah. Assassinated you. Shot in the back on a doorstep. In Someone's the back. Doorstep. Yeah. Whose doorstep? Because they'll be traumatised by that, I'd imagine. I should probably go and check on them. Some some person. Just some person. Go yeah. Did they didn't even answer? Or... Maybe I was I was about to knock on the door and they got me. Oh. So, I don't so they've opened the door, there's a dead body on their doorstep. Yeah, and a helicopter flying away. Comedian Sean McGoffin, shot in the back, <laughs> liver pouring out. And they've gone, what the fuck is this? Yeah. With a little leaflet saying, peace. <laughs> wow. Hell of a day. A heck of a day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, how do you feel about death? <sighs> I don't know. How does anyone feel about death? Some people are very anxious about it, think about it an awful lot. Other people Are go, you one of those people? I'm interested in it, but I don't know. Sometimes, occasionally I have moments of, oh, fuck, I'm going to die, as in, I've got to do so much stuff. Yeah. I've got to do so much stuff, and I'm aware time is, does, is finite. So that sort of worries me more than... And I worry about death as in I worry about other people dying, I worry about family dying, that stresses me out. Yeah. My own death, I'm like, hmm, it'll be all right. I think death is a fantastic option for a struggling artist mm. because you can go out thinking, well, at least now they'll think I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think I think about it. I think I have a very normal relationship with death. Right. 
I think it's sad. Okay. When people die. Yes. Okay. Normal. Hot take. Very normal. <laughs> Hot take. Because you're coming across like a just a normal guy. <laughs> I think um, I've read enough weird science fiction novels for me to think that life is maybe not real anyway. Yes. So occasionally I sort of take comfort in that. I'm more into that idea. Do you do you think there's an afterlife? I don't know. Okay. It makes sense that there isn't. Mm-hmm. But it also makes sense to me that the whole world is a computer program. Yeah. And at some point a big face is going to appear in the sky and go, it's all bollocks, the whole thing's been bollocks. And then switch us off. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to admit. I kind of regret admitting that. Like Teletubbies. Yeah, that's <laughs> what that was about, right? Yeah. I think that's sad though. Sometimes I think... I do definitely agree that we're probably in a computer game, but I didn't. My, my plan for the game over wasn't just a face appearing in the sky going, so bollocks! <laughs> yeah. Because you've never said that to The Sims, right? When you're playing The Sims. Well, I don't speak their language. When you go to bed, you don't go, so bollocks, good night, so, good night! <laughs> I think it would be cool if there was just a moment of clarity yeah. to do with life. It would be nice if there was a moment at some point where someone says to you, Mm. Or something happens where you get told, I don't know, like, I guess like a Matrix type moment. Yeah. You go, oh. And then dead. Dead. But it might not, that might never happen. I don't worry about it. Okay. I don't worry about it. Uh, I think people who feel too strongly either way, I'm suspicious of. Can I ask you a question? And if you are uncomfortable with this, mm-hmm. I'm very happy for you to say, cut it. But I would mm-hmm. like to ask it because I'm interested. Yeah. In your last stand-up show, which was phenomenal... You talked about sort of regaining your faith, mm. and I want and faith often seems to me very connected to death, to, to connected with an afterlife. Unless mm. I misunderstand faith, but a lot of religion seems to be you do well here because afterwards there's this. Yeah, and does that not play any part in your faith, as it were? Any faith I have or don't have or battle mm. with is not to do with reassurances about what happens after I die. And, but as in, and it also doesn't play any part, not just like, it's all going to be right because we died, but as in, that's not part of your understanding of God or of... It's, that's not, not at the moment. Okay. Maybe later on. Interesting. I think, I think maybe people as they get older probably view religion or the lack of religion in different terms, but I'm still youngish and, you know, I view it more and, yeah. I don't know. I basically, I, a lot, I've got a lot of doors open. I've got a lot of windows open on yeah. my laptop. And I'm just, yeah. you know. Well, you're spread betting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, guess what? What? There is an afterlife. Fuck yes. And it's a good one. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, now you're back into film, it's good. Because uh, it's heaven, but they want to talk about film a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they want to talk about your life through film. Yeah. And the first thing they ask you is... Uh, What's the first film you remember seeing? The first film I saw in the cinema... Yeah. Or the first film I remember being aware of enjoying in the cinema is Aladdin. The Disney Aladdin? The Disney Aladdin. With Robin Williams? Yes. Lovely. I guess... I don't know if I'd gone before then... Okay. ...and not remembered, but I definitely remember... That's your conscious... ...being very happy that I'd seen Aladdin in the cinema and telling people about it. Ah. And I would have been maybe four and a half... Oh, really? Or five. Where was this? Would have been probably in Brighton, where I was from. You grew up in Brighton? I grew up in Brighton. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought, maybe I did. Well, That's maybe, fair. why would you know it? We've not talked about that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Uh, just you and your sister? 
Or do you have another one? Have Me and my one? sister, yeah, I have one sister. Is she older or younger? Younger. Okay. Yeah. Close? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? Pretty close. Yeah. Was she with you at Aladdin? Who, would, who took you to Aladdin? It probably was my mum. Yeah? Probably my mum took me. We, I, we, I think we went to the cinema a lot. Yeah? Well, it was sort of the early 90s, and um, I just think there's, there's, there was less things to, to occupy children's time. Hmm. We, you know, we didn't have, we, like, we never had video, I never played video games when I was younger. Right. I never had all that stuff like that. So, went to the cinema a lot, and I remember going to see Aladdin and just thinking it was so brilliant. Oh, and I was that. obsessed with Robin Williams. Yeah. And I thought he was the, I just thought it was so funny and amazing. Yeah. And I still do, really. And so it's weird, another film that I remember always having around when I was about that age mm-hmm. was, is it Robert Altman's Popeye? Yes. That Robin Williams with is... Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. No, Shelley... Yeah. yeah Shelley Duvall. I remember thinking, I had a tape of it. Yeah. I thought it was just so brilliant. Oh, wow. That's a very strange one, Robert Altman's Popeye. I've since watched it, I think, once as an adult. And it is totally insane. Yeah. Really, really weird, like, who is it for? Yeah. (laughs) It's a comic book adaptation before that was a thing, really. And it's Mm. really Um, odd and tonally looks weird. Yeah, and like the way they do Robin Williams's arm makeup in it. Yeah. It's so off-putting. But as a child, I think I found it quite hypnotic. I think there's always this... Sometimes you hear people say stuff like, uh, well, you know, children are pretty discerning. And I don't <laughs> think they are. <laughs> but I would see... That's funny. My mum always says, like, no matter what film you saw, you would leave and say, that's the best film I've ever seen. I love that. Of course. Yeah, I think, I, I think the idea that children are this discerning thing, and they, they can tell. Listen, are, they can tell. Children are into videos of things being unboxed. <laughs> children are fu- aren't fucking discerning. That's their favourite yeah, thing, a fucking yeah. kinder surprise being unwrapped. The dumbest, the dumbest mistake stu- film studios make is spending any money on gifts. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you could spend 50 grand and make a, just a piece of turd. Just like people opening boxes. Yeah, yeah. They uh, go nuts. That's very funny. Uh, Aladdin, that Robin Williams one, that was the thing that became, it was like a game changer. Him doing, they let him improvise on the mic. Mm. And so then they animated all these different characters, different voices, different things. And it was from then on, particularly DreamWorks that had celebrity casting, had like film star casting rather than, and weirdly Disney don't do it so much. It's Pixar... It's far more DreamWorks. I think they misunderstood what was brilliant about Aladdin. Yeah. They thought it was, oh, we've got a film star, we've got yeah. millions, rather than we got a brilliant improviser. And I think it's a shame because voice acting is such a specific talent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the best one in the world, I don't think Owen Wilson in Cars, I'm sure... is not why you're going to see Cars. You look at someone like Mel Blanc, who did all the old yeah. Looney Tunes. He was like Picasso. Yeah. If those were made today... You'd have like Seth Rogen, and I like Seth Rogen, sure. but you need, you know, yeah. you need specific people. I think that's lovely. And so you and your mum, uh, and that was like a thing you did together. Like, was that is that a special, or is it just? It wasn't. I think you know. I think a lot of people go to the cinema yeah. with their parents, especially when they're young. Yeah. I don't know when we got a. T- I, I, have, I have it in my head that we didn't have a TV when I was really young as well. Wow. So maybe it was like going to the cinema was. It was. It def- we're going to finally uncover that the day you stopped watching films is the day you got a TV. That was the traumatic <laughs> event. Got a TV. I definitely remember as a child going to the cinema was like an overwhelming experience. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe how 
happy I was when I was watching films. Uh, that's great. There's so- God, we're getting down a road now, aren't we? This is what you want. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. So there's that. And the other film, actually, that I wanted to talk about, which oh, was always around, was uh, The Love Bug and the Herbie Oh, films. man. I that always... Right. I remember going to my grandma's house and I would always be so excited to go to my grandma's house because I was allowed to go to the video shop and get out a Herbie film. Herbie Goes Bananas. Herbie Goes Bananas was the main one. Yeah. But then... My favourite. Love Bug. Love Bug, I think, is, is really brilliant. Yeah. I think one day someone will do to Herbie what Jason Siegel did to the Muppets. They'll get in there and they'll make they'll make Herbie relevant again. That's so beautiful. Did but you ever see uh, Lindsay Lohan's Fully Loaded, Herbie Fully Loaded with Michael Keaton? I think I saw it on telly yeah. once. Not a disaster. It was a film of its time. Yeah. <laughs> like 2005 was... Doesn't have the charm. But he's like, he's because he's in NASCAR. Yeah. In that. It's all NASCAR, so it's very corporate. Yeah, it was probably that corporation that shot you in the back. <laughs> Thinking about it, that's why you're a bit, you've got a bit of an issue with yeah, it. Yeah, fuck it. I remember in that film, the one thing that I found unsettling was, uh, I think there was a lot, a lot of CGI in it, and there was a bit where Herbie like made a face. And oh, almost yeah. put his tongue out. And it, I remember thinking, no, the whole point was that he, he was the emotion car. was built into the car. You You're almost had so to project right. it in a way. But the, the first Love Bug yeah. was directed, it was the guy who made Mary Poppins. And Dean Jones, yes, who was the yes, star of yes. it, who was great. Yeah, always great. He said, I don't know how I remember this. He always said he thought the reason the first Love Bug was so good is it was the last film Walt Disney was ever involved in before his death, I think. Walt Disney died during the production, but it was his last film. Oh, man. Bit of magic in that film, I think. Yeah. I think think people uh, forget how how good they were. You're so right about the thing. Have you ever been to Disney World or Disneyland or any of these places? I went to the Paris one once. If you go there, and the thing that is truly amazing is the characters that walk around, Mm. they're heads their faces don't change there's no they don't move they smile or they whatever their face is is Mm. fixed but there's a whole before you read so much emotion into what they're doing the way they hug you the way they Mm. say hello the way they look down like if you if if a kid is shy they sort of look down like sad but their face is still smiling Mm. but they look and that's the love bug that's herbie how you read all this stuff into this still face of the front of the car yeah it's just smart I don't know if I'm smart. No, that, I've never thought of it like that, but you're absolutely but right. I think it's... That's why Fully Loaded that isn't, because he's fucking, they're moving the face. They're always, they're don't doing too much the with the face. Yeah. They did it with the sound effects, you know, it was enough with the sound effects yeah. in the Love Bug. I fucking want to make a Herbie film now. Let's <laughs> fucking make the Love Bug. Yeah. Great answer. Good. Lovely answer. Good. Uh, what is the film that made you cry the most? This is such a basic bitch answer. Go on. Is that phrase legit, by the way, basic bitch? People say that. It's still a thing, isn't it? Uh, Toy Story 3, man. Okay. I mean, I'm sure everyone said that. It has come up, but that's fine. But for the the same reasons as everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Just refer to our podcast. It's sad when he gives away the toys and childhood ends and, you know. Yeah, hard, hard one. And a film about death. Film about acceptance of death. Film about death. And the other ones, yeah. I don't know. I don't cry that much anymore. Ever, in any situation? No. Life or film? No. I cried last night at the concert that I was talking to you about. Okay. With a bunch of old 
my girlfriend was there and she said it was just you and a bunch of old men crying. <laughs> <laughs> what was the what was it for the listeners? Phosphorescence. Phosphorescence. An amazing singer songwriter who has this brilliant band he plays with. Just listen to the music; it's brilliant. And, and you, it's like country, it's rock, it's a bit... What point did, were you crying just during one of the songs? Or, it's, there's or no. a song they do called Walls, which... Uh, uh, I, I don't want to cry on this, so I won't think bit. about it. No, I'm not. But he talk about wolves, how there's wolves in his house, mm-hmm. and how wolves are horrible, and they're, but they're actually beautiful, and it's kind of a metaphor for, I think, self-destruction and stuff like that. Mm. Oh, it's great stuff. Okay. But in films... Yeah, you're a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy. I think I just... Uh, I definitely get affected. I definitely get lumps in my throat. Right. But I think full-blown tears are hard. Okay. I cried watching Brokeback Mountain. I remember crying there. Yeah. I thought that was a really well-made bit. It's beautiful, isn't it? Like, near the end when he's... Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, here's mm. one. Yeah. Cried with happiness a lot of the time. Yes. Wally, I cried with happiness. Okay. Pixar. Pixar. Fucking, yeah. they're, they're tricksters, actually. I don't mm. like that. I don't like that. Think about it. Don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. No. Hoop dreams. Oh yeah. Hoop dream. It's not. I didn't cry because mm. maybe there's too many tonal shifts for it to be sad. But it's just like the emotion I feel. I think I've only watched it twice, but it's such a great film. I forgot how good that film it's is. It's what. I mean, Roger Ebert. We've talked about Roger Ebert. He yeah. said it was the best film in the nineties. He said it's. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so sad. And I think it's actually similar to Toy Story 3 in that it's about the loss of innocence. And I suppose it's also, that was a fil- probably a film that like set a template for almost, I hate to say reality TV, but the, the sort of following, like there's now a lot of stuff that is a less good version of Hoop Dreams, I think. I think Hoop Dreams was yeah. original. But they probably, the people who made it probably realised they got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, I mean, it's just, it's staggering the scale of it mm-hmm. and how both, you know, follows these two kids yeah. for years and both of their families had incredible stories and the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Great answers. I mm. hope so. You're but I didn't cry. You're absolutely yeah. killing this. What is the film that scared you the most? Did you get scared? Yeah. I don't really watch horror films, though. That's something you should... That's something, that's something you should know about. I get too scared, so I don't Do watch you? them. Yeah, I don't like them. That's interesting. I don't like them. There must have been one where you were like, oh, okay, I'm not watching horror films anymore. I think all of them. I think I never liked them. Okay. I wish I... I should, really. I should just get over it. It's, it's, not, for, it's not for everyone. Um, the film that made me... That scared me the most yeah. in my whole life. This is a pathetic answer. Yeah. This is really pathetic. How do I frame it? I'll frame by saying the stuff that always lingered with me as a child and yeah. still does is like when bodies morph into something else. Okay. It's like I remember watching Pinocchio. Isn't there a scene There's where the There's a really scary scene where they turn into donkeys. Turn into donkeys. And I remember being like horrified. Yeah. But there's a bit. Here's the yeah. one that genuinely I was screaming and had to run out. Yeah. There's a bit in The Nutty Professor. Okay. With Eddie Murphy. Yeah. When, if you haven't seen it, Eddie Murphy plays an overweight... Professor, who discovers a potion to make him thin. Mm-hmm. And he's taken it, and he's thin, and he's driving in a car, and the potion runs out as he's in the car, and he's changing back into yeah. being... And his hands pop up on the his wheels. His hands go big. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, he's with a woman, and a woman like taps him on the shoulder, and he turns around, and is like the bottom of his face. Yeah. And I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. 
Imagine if you were her. <laughs> what the fuck? It's her you've got the empathy with, not him. You're like, fucking well, hell. It's bad for him because he's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, no. But for her, yes, yeah, a terrible shock. <laughs> it's mad that that's the one, isn't it? It's a great answer, really good answer. I mean, unusual. It's an unusual thing to be scared of, but I understand Well, there's it. some of them, because you ask these questions, and some of them I sort of were obvious. Yeah, yeah. And some of them I had to dig deep, because I couldn't remember being, because I sort yeah. of avoid scary things. But definitely the stuff that lingers with me, like in The, the Fly and District 9, when they morph into... I thought about them, like they really... It, That's your thing, morphing, That's interesting. Is, is it, it called bo- is it body, body horror? horror? Is yeah, that what they call body it? horror. So for someone who don't have a fear of death, you, you have fear of like your body decaying or, you know, of... Well, I don't know if that's decay, is it? Turning into a fly? <laughs> well, you don't look well. <laughs> you don't look well at the end, does no, it? No, no. You does not look well, fly or no fly. I just think it's... I find it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen American Wealth in London? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, does that freak you out? I mean, because I've just realised that scene is basically... Pinocchio is the kids' version of American World in London. Yeah, maybe. American donkeys in in the funfair. American donkeys in funfair. (laughs) That's what they should have called it. (laughs) Would have made more money. So much more. Um, American Werewolf in London, is that... That's not considered like a horror film, though, is it? Yeah. Is it? I went to see it the other day. Went to uh, watch it at Reissue on the big screen. Was it fantastic? Holds up. It's fucking good. Really funny. Really scary. Moving. Sexy. It's got the lot. It's got the lot. It's got the lot, mate. Gets the Brett Goldstein seal of approval. Yeah, because it's not a spoof. That's why it's. I was watching it like, why does this work so well? And it's like, because it's funny because people are funny in it. Like, yeah, yeah. Characters say funny things like funny people say. Yeah. And there's like juxtapositions of things that are funny, but it's not a joke. It's not like, ah, wacky werewolf. Mm. It's like, he's really telling his werewolf and this is dark. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's like sincere in its story. Mm. The story is not a joke. It's great. Good. Yeah. I should watch more horror. Well. I listened to an episode of this. Yeah. And I don't know who you were talking to, but you were talking about one of the big horrors. You know, every few years there's a horror that's like, this is the scariest. Hereditary. Is it that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't pay me enough money. <laughs> like, it will never happen. I'll that's never watch fair. it. I wouldn't make anyone watch that. What was one called? Was it The Orphanage? Was that a oh, big yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Never. My mum went to see that. Oh, really? She called me and she, we were talking about it. She went, I just don't know. I was like, what? I felt angry at the filmmakers. I go, why have you done that to my mum? Oh, really? Why have you tripped my mum into going to see that? <laughs> she doesn't deserve I mean, that. At any level, a film called The Orphanage, you're not <laughs> expecting a great night, like a great fun time. It's going to be a lovely... Annie? Annie's fun? It's not called The Orphanage, though, is it? It's called Annie. She's Would have made more money if it was called The Orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> On a double bill with American Donkey in <laughs> <laughs> uh, What is a film that you used to love and then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh dear, this does not date well. I did not stand by this film anymore. This one upsets me that I have to admit this. Okay. Uh, the Austin Powers films. Oh. I've not, maybe not the first one. I haven't seen that in a while, but I caught the second one on telly. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Spy Who Shagged Me, which as a young man, I thought, this yeah. is the greatest comedy of all time. Go and on, Mike man. Myers meant so much to me and still does mean a lot me to me. Me too. And I think... It's a mess. <laughs> I oh, think yeah. it's it's. I think it's it's really it's someone who's been given all the control in the world, going and just 
this, I don't even know how to express it. There's, it's so clunky and right. jarring. And the type of comedy is definitely out of vogue at the moment okay. that it is. It's very big, right. you know, and it's very broad. And It's weird that they were kind of respected. Really? Do you, at the time, I haven't looked at them. Re- I used to love them and I haven't revisited them. But at the time, they got good yeah. reviews and people were like, these are smart films. Yeah, yeah. I look back, really I go, good. what the fuck were we <laughs> really? thinking? Because wow. The Love Guru came out. Do you remember that film? Yes, and that yes. killed him, yeah. that film. And everyone was like, this is the worst film ever. Yeah. It is the same as the Austin Powers <laughs> film. It's film. the same in tone, the type of joke. Oh, really? It's, I, it breaks my heart. I still love Wayne's World. Yeah. And I still think Mike Myers is amazing. But I think he ne- he needed a leash, and I think uh, comedy always, oh, not always, often dates. Mm, it's yeah. tricky. That's very sad to hear. Yeah, it really uh, it upset me when I, I was trying to find other ones, and I thought oh, that's the one it comes back to. I couldn't. I couldn't How long have you been doing stand up? Started at uni. How many years is this? I guess my first gig was about ten years ago, maybe more. So, but we- like not pro- properly, as in like actually chasing it. Probably about eight or nine years. Is there stuff from like nine years ago that you used to do where you go, that comedy has, like, I'm sure you're better. I know you're better, but in terms mm. of like style and sort of subject, where you go, and I would never do that now. As um, dated is what I'm asking. Is your own stuff? If you look back, I, oh, I think that wouldn't. I don't think I ever had anything malicious. Yeah, and I, you know, I believe that. I definitely probably did stuff that was beyond my capabilities <laughs> and probably that was so tone deaf it was it could have been That's offensive funny. like the, yeah I'm only asking I'm just yeah, yeah. it's fascinating the comedy dates and you do see it with films that's a shame what is the film that is, is that a shame though it, I don't know well only in that you, you have like I have fond memories of Austin Powers you know I think there I may I feel like oh, I feel love for it but maybe I have checked it the out the first time I saw the first Austin Powers yeah I remember like, I couldn't believe how much I loved it. Mm. And I remember actually vividly why. I would have been 10 when that came out. Right. I shouldn't have seen it. And I remember I loved it because the bits with the bad guy were really funny. Yeah. And most comedies yeah. at the time, I remember, you know, like Beverly Hills Cop and other comedies. Bad guys the villains are kind of played really straight. And then, yeah. but actually, it's like Dr. Evil was the funniest bit in the film. Yeah. He did a lot for comedy, Mike Myers, but I think, you know, eventually... We moved on. We outgrew him. Oh, Maybe. God, that's heartbreaking. What? Oh, God, it's like the end I'm of Toy Story I'm finding this 3. really... Sa- every answer is making yeah. me really sad. No, it's like the end of Toy Story 3. We outgrew. We had to give it... But he made uh, that documentary that I really liked, Supermensch. So maybe, yes. maybe he'll come back. Yeah. I hope he will. He's got a lot to offer. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. 
Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I think he does. Oh. What is the film that people don't like? Critics don't like, generally not considered a good film, but you're like, I stand by this film forever. This one I need, to, there's a jumping off film okay. in terms of a broader point. Is yeah. that all right? Of course. Are you sure? Yeah. AI, artificial intelligence. People I- don't like that, do they? They don't, and I am a huge believer in that film, and I think there will be a re-looking re back on it, and everyone will go, oh, we were very wrong, AI is an excellent film. I'm glad you think so, Brad. Yeah, excellent. Totally underrated. Uh, it's kind of viewed as like a stick to beat Spielberg with, yeah. that film. Beat him with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, AI, with, yeah exactly. That's yeah. such a shit film. AI is like... I don't think it's perfect. No. But it's, it's fucking... It's absolute. It's so out there and weird. Yeah. I watched it on telly, I think about 18 months ago. All right. I watched it as younger. I remember when I was younger, I thought, this is great. Yeah. But it's like, it's so weird and horrible. It's so dark, so dark. And sad. So sad, so dark. I'm glad you think... But people, Honestly, people I've people always... Do, think, do people still think that's a really shit film in general? I still don't think it's had... I keep waiting for, you know, like Twin Peaks Fireball with me, which you don't know, but was like booed to death. Mm. And then 10 years later, everyone's going, oh shit, it's a masterpiece, whoops. And I feel like I keep waiting for the AI's a masterpiece conversation yeah. to appear, but it hasn't started yet. Do you think it's actually brilliant? I think it's brilliant. I think it's not perfect, and yeah. it's, you know, but I think it's brilliant. I think in terms of ideas and execution, and there's so much going on in it, and it's such a all this stuff we're still talking about now about AI and about yeah, like it takes the premise. It's the opposite of what we're usually talking about. As in, it's all about emotional she loves this child and then when she has a real child yeah she doesn't yeah and it's sort of it's so heartbreaking and but also does he feel it's like does the robot feel yeah it's a lot going on but then there's the fucking moon on a hot air balloon (laughs) it it is like crazy yeah i think i love it because it's so crazy yeah it's so wild which means it does fail in bits yeah but I don't, I, that's the thing, that's kind of the point I wanted to get to. I like things that are just, it's like, yeah, they just fucking went for it. And I do think with yeah. that one as well, the fact that Stanley Kubrick was originally going to do it. Yeah. I think because Stanley Kubrick's one of those people that you can't say bad things about. Yeah. And all the bad things in AI, like the ending, which is not bad, I don't think. I, I think it's really bad. nice. Yeah. People go, well, it's just Steven Spielberg trying to be schmaltzy. Yeah. I go, well... I but bet it wasn't. I reckon if Kubrick makes that film, it's much worse. Kubrick That's was my all theory. the Pinocchio stuff, apparently. All the stuff that people say is Spielberg was actually Kubrick. Yeah. It was his original plan. Are you serious? Yeah. Kubrick had all sorts of things he wanted to do. Kubrick wanted to make a hardcore porn film. Mainstream proper art film. There is, it's weird how some people you just can't... <laughs> you can't insult. Yeah. Kubrick's one of them. Yeah. I, like, I like Kubrick as much as Spielberg. I think they're both... Equally great. I like Kubrick as much as the next film, I like Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird that, like, AI is... I'm so glad you... I'm it really... Because it just lingered with me. Because also, his performance is out of this world. Yeah. I, I don't think there's ever been a child performance that I've thought was as good as that. Yeah, you may be right. Never Because it's kind of a horror film. Mm. In a way, it's really scary. Oh, I'm so glad. I was so ne- that's one of the ones I've been really oh, nervous no, about. Oh, no, I'm so glad. you like, AI... I love it. And I also 100% agree with you. I'm a huge fan of films which are a mess, but they've tried a hundred things. 
rather than a film where it was just fine. Which and Lee, everyone did yeah. everything you expected and it was fine. I'd much rather see. Spike Lee made a film called She Hate Me and it got like zero, like 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, well, I have to see this. And it was two hours and a half. And it's fascinating. I love it. It's all yeah, over the place. Yeah. A million things happen in it. And I'm like, well, I've never seen a film like this. There's, Five stars. <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk about then, the other ones. Go on. You say like films that people hate that yeah. I love. Everything the Wachowskis have done after The Matrix. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm not saying this because I think Speed Racer is perfect. Yes. I think... Have you seen Speed Racer? I have seen Speed Racer. I think it is maddening. Yeah. It kind of gives you a headache. Yeah. And it's at times unbearable. (laughs) But I also think they did so much there Mm -hmm. that they didn't... They really went for it. Yeah. They fucking went for it. And I don't know if I ever want to see that film again. But I'm so glad it exists. Because it's fucking yeah. mad. It like they followed up the Matrix with like with a per, with like a, a really faithful adaptation of a of a kid's cartoon. Yeah. And it is so faithful, like it looks like a cartoon. And that's why people hate it, because they couldn't it's like I can't get their heads around it. It's like if Tarantino followed up Pulp Fiction with with Top Cat or something. <laughs> People go, what I'd is this? To see that. Yeah, I'd love to. I think you're right. Like Speed Racer, like I never saw it. In, did you see it in the cinema? I think, if I'm honest, I saw Speed Racer, and I'm ashamed to say this because I know it's a big screen movie. But the actual truth is, hands up, I saw it on a plane. Mm. I know it's a big screen visual movie, but I did see it on a plane. What I don't have many regrets about cinema because I don't. Yeah. I regret not seeing that in the cinema. Yeah. Because the final race, I remember watching the whole thing. Thinking it's so, I was sort of hypnotised by it because it was so... It veered so often between success and disaster. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's... Because it's a kid's film and there's like... His little brother's one of the characters and he's got a monkey. Yeah, it's really mad. <laughs> it's it's mad. so... And the jokes in it are shit. Yeah. But then the final race scene is like thrilling and the way the music and the sound and... Mm. Yeah. And I and I, do you know something else? I think Cloud Atlas is freaking brilliant. Um, oh, oh, I, 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 no, Cloud Atlas I saw at the cinema and and stand by as well. There's a lot going on here. I think in fifty years, people will look at Cloud Atlas as a as a great film. I think the mistake in Cloud Atlas, what makes it difficult to love, is the choice of accents that Tom Hanks is doing because it's. It seems, even though we're set in the future, it could be anything. But good for them. For yeah, going for it. again. Good for them. Never seen that before. They could have done anything. Yeah. They were the hottest ticket in town. They've made the Matrix trilogy. They've changed the face of action films. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks could have done any accent. Tom Hanks. <laughs> but imagine that. Like, that's how, that's how persuasive they must have been. Yeah. To get those actors and any investors. <laughs> we're going to make a three-hour film. Yeah. Set in six timelines about the human experience. Yeah, I like it. I like it for that reason. I love it. It's totally batshit. I always have a soft spot for people who are creative and just Fear. do whatever the just follow their their thing. And it means that I watch a lot more shit. <laughs> I watch yeah. a lot of shit, but uh, I I I, res- I respect the Wachowski so much because they could have done anything. And now. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do now. 
because none of their films make money. Hmm. Well, they just done, they had that cloud nine, no, Sense Eight. Oh, Sense Eight, yeah. Which apparently I'm in. You're in. There's an actor in it that looks exactly like. Oh right. And I get a lot of tweets aimed at that guy. I was thinking, God, they are ambitious. They've started yeah. casting actors who don't even know they're in the, the yeah. fix. <laughs> yeah, I've been uploaded to the new Wachowski mm. show. Anyway. I'm finding answers. it... Uh, am I doing all right here? I know that's weird. Ma- you're doing excellent. You're doing better than most. I'm fucking hungover, mate. You're really And I'm also finding it. it hard to... There's one film coming up where I think my passions will overflow. That's great. Don't hold back. Uh, what is the film that you most relate to? Could be the character, could be the vibe, could okay. be the film itself. This one, yeah, it's weird. It came to me immediately because oh, I think I think I know what it is, and I'm very scared. Go on. Uh, have you seen that film Moneyball? Yes, with Brad Pitt eating. With Brad Pitt, what? Always eating and everything. Yeah. Yes. Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill. Have you seen that film? I have seen it. Do you like that film? I like it, but I find the message of it actually really depressing, but I do, it's a good film. What do you think is the message? I think the message is talent and magic doesn't matter, because stats will save the day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When I first saw Moneyball, I was like thinking, how have they done, how is it legal that they've come into my head and stolen this film? Go on. I felt, I don't know what it is about that film. I tell people how much I love it, yeah. and they look at me the way you look at you all look at me now, going, <laughs> "Okay." The whole setup of it, yeah, the ho- everything. I love how it's it's built, yeah, on a technical level. I love how it's built, and I think, um, I mean, I need to try and get my thoughts together with this film. I think about it a lot. There's something about this film yeah, yeah. that I, I will, can't I get enough of. I see every everything that is good and bad about me. I see in in the characters there. I think it's an amazing piece of cinema. Right. It's sort of sold as a sports film. Yeah. And it isn't, because there's no sports in it. We never see any sport. We never see any sport in it. And it's kind of a character study about Billy Bean. Trying to almost like trick a team into being really good. Yeah. And there's a scene right at the beginning where he's talking to all the scouts. And they're the man. You know? They're the man. And he's there saying, you're wrong about this. You've been wrong in the past. You were wrong about me. And you're wrong about this. And I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm going to prove to you you're wrong. And he doesn't do it. <laughs> he doesn't win in the end. He never... You know, they don't win. Do they win? No, they don't win. They do really well, but they don't yeah, win. right, yes. And I, I remember watching that when it first came out and it just hit me. I was like a very struggling comedian. I didn't know where I was going. And there was just this... I just got this... I was like invigorated by it. Yeah. It was like, if there's something that you think you should be doing... And even though people are telling you you've got to change it, even though people are telling you you're wrong, if you've got, you just have to have the will to see it through. And even if you fail, and you probably will, you've, you know, you've done it. You've done something your, your way. You are that. You uh, actually are that. No, I'm not, though. I'm no, not. but you know what? It's interesting. You, uh, your stand-up, I've always thought, is... Re- it's uh, like Moneyball. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that you have, for years, stuck to what you do, which isn't the easiest. Mm. Uh, you've not taken the easy route with stand-up. And you're, you, I've always said about you, you talk about stuff. You're what I consider genuinely edgy because you talk about things. When people say edgy, they go, oh, yeah, I did a, mm. I did a pedo joke. Like, that isn't edgy. Everyone does pedo jokes. You do stuff about 
erectile dysfunction or things that people mm. actually are embarrassed to talk about, don't want, are scared of. Yeah. That's actually edgy because it makes people uncomfortable. And you've stuck with this. Yeah. And it's taken nine years. And now, finally, I think you're getting the respect that you've always deserved. But there was definitely a period where you weren't playing to full crowds and you kept at it and you didn't change your style and you... Definitely. And I and that maybe really that... been, but, but you do win. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't feel like I win. And I don't, I don't think I am him. I think there's something, there's something in that film, I don't know what it is, the, the characters, the motion, the vibe. Mm-hmm. That I, I just it resonates with me. It's like it's it's like a serenade. I feel like I'm I'm in heaven when I'm watching that film. And all the characters are brilliant, I think. And all of them, it's their best work. I don't. Uh, Brad Pitt's never been better. Joni Hill's never. Philip Seymour Hoffman's never been better. Mm. He plays the manager. And I, I wish people could love it the way I love it because I think the the script is incredible. Aaron Sorkin, incredible, like incredible yeah. script. Bennett Miller, is that the director? Yes. He, no one talks about this guy. No one ever talks about him when they talk about great directors. He's made three films and they're all great, I think. They're different and they're weird, but I think... I forgot my theory on him, but I don't want to say it to you because you love that Moneyball so much I almost don't want to. No, go on. Go on, tell me. The I accept I'm wrong about Moneyball. No, you're not wrong about Moneyball. Yeah. I love this answer and I've never heard anyone talk about it. And yeah. I think, and I totally respect that. I'm not taking away from this answer. Mm. But the thing about Bennett... Is it Benny Miller? Is that how we say? I think that's his name. Yeah. Yes. So he made Truman Capote, Capote, yeah. Moneyball, and what's the third one? Uh, Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher. Right. And I've seen all three of these films. Now, all of these films, I think, are are excellent. I think they're sort of they're good films. They're mm. very well made, very well acted, very well done. Moneyball might be the exception, but the other two, Foxcatcher and Capote, I remember seeing an actor being interviewed, I think it was Steve Carell, and they were sort of saying, you know, it's a heavy subject, and one of them said, oh yeah, there was no joy on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, yeah, it shows. Like, and not to say that those aren't dark subjects or whatever, but I don't think there's any joy in either of those, in Foxcatcher and in Quake, I think they're good, but there's no, Mm. they're fucking so intense and dark and there's no joy there's no joy and that and i think you can have joy in darkness and you can have a sort of lightness there can be moments yeah yeah but they're so you get the feeling of it's it's almost like his films go hello welcome there will be no fun here yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean moneyball might be different because i think that does have some humor in it and some stuff moneyball is definitely like there's so much life in it yes like the way that is the exception to those. Fox, Foxcatcher, I ha- I did struggle with the first time I saw it. Yeah, I did. I did struggle with it, and then I watched it again, and I realised it's not a sports film. Again, it's not a sports no, film. No, definitely, they're not. never sports films. Yeah, it's a psychological thriller. But this, so this horrible story, Foxcatcher. Horrific, just a, horrific. Just a horrible dark story told very darkly. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. but it's amazing, and it's I found it engrossing the next time I watched it. There's so many scenes of wrestling, yeah. and then you realise. I, I saw it and I saw the Steve Carell... Oh, oh, that's my watch. Sorry, <laughs> everyone. The Steve Carell Foxcatcher guy. Yeah. The reason he loves wrestling is because it's this animal thing. They're like two animals going at each other. Yeah. And he ne- he's never he's never experienced that and he's fascinated by it. Yeah. So I think maybe... There are always studies of people, all his films. But, but Moneyball is, I do think, really entertaining. I think it's glorious. I can't believe you're going to make me watch Moneyball again, but you I want me to watch it. it with you. you I want to it. 
I liked it. Listen, I did like Moneyball. I just only seen it once. I think Moneyball. Mm. I don't mean that. I've, I've said a lot of stuff here. Yeah. And I don't think I've made it. I don't think I've said what I wanted to say well enough, and I will go away disappointed. I really feel changed. <laughs> I think people. I think if you want to, if you feel like you're doing something mm. in life, and you feel like people in your life are saying that you're doing it wrong, and you maybe in the back of your head suspect you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Watch Moneyball. And feel better. And think. You just, you just have to fucking do it. You have to try and prove these bastards wrong. Do you think Trump is watching Moneyball every night? <laughs> no, I don't. But the thing with Billy Bean is, I, when I say I see a lot of myself in him, mm. he's really stubborn in it. Yeah. Like, and that's something I have a bit of, which I need to get rid of. And mm-hmm. he's, he is very, like, it's a, a lot of it is about how he's quite isolated, but mm. he's chosen to be isolated. Yeah. He has a lot of people who want to be around him. Like, he, he dismisses all the scouts in his team. Yeah. You know, he doesn't... He's not close to his ex-wife. He's all that stuff. Yeah, the music, the the acting. I think Moneyball... I think Moneyball, right? Yeah. Here we go. Flag down. Yeah. If it wasn't made about such a niche subject... Because I, I genuinely don't know what they're talking about a lot of the time in Moneyball. <laughs> There's a scene where they're making a trade, and it yeah. is thrilling, and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but it's to do with the emotion. You know, yeah. It's, it's a... You get what the emotion is. I think if you got a film of that quality and made it about anything else, people would say it's the best film of the century. There's my, oh, fuck, I just said that. And all your people are going to go on and think I'm an idiot. I think, no, it, I think, think it is. They... I think like it's, I think it's amazing, Moneyball. And it's weird because it was really well regarded. Yeah. It's not you're like... right. It doesn't seem to sort of pop up. You're the first person to mention it on this show, for sure. I'm, I'm Moneyball's, I'm, it's my favourite film. Wow, okay. It's my favourite film. Moneyball is your favourite film? 100%. That's all I need to say, maybe. Everything I want in a film... Is in Moneyball. Speaks to me. Are there any women in Moneyball? <laughs> oh, you twat. <laughs> Zero you women. You twat. <laughs> well, that's, that's irrelevant. <laughs> I just realised. I want a film. <laughs> it's about a bunch of blokes being blokes. No, okay. So I love it. I could talk about it all day, Moneyball. I could talk about the 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 the, the way the way that no, there's just people talking as well. It's just the whole yeah. film is just people talking. It's gripping. It's just great to watch writing. It again. Please watch it, Brett. Okay. And tell me I'm wrong because I'm trapped in this prison <laughs> where I'm talking to fil- I'm talking to people but about Moneyball for hours on end. Am I wrong about the message that it is that what Billy Bean is is doing? Is saying, just look at stats. It doesn't matter that this person's really good. You only need this and this and this and this. No, that's part of it. Yeah. But it's also, what they're trying to do is find people who are overlooked. Yes, okay. For, for arbitrary reasons. For other stats. All the scouts, for example, there's one guy they have in it and he can't throw. He throws weird because mm-hmm. he has a weird defect. Yeah. And all the scouts go, he can't throw. But statistically, he, he's amazing. Right. But they all say... No, it doesn't work. And every area of life, every job I've had, comedian or before as comedian working, there's people who say they know what's going on. There's people who say this is how it's done. And they're always wrong. No one knows. They're always fucking wrong. And you just, the amount of times you, I mean, in comedy, the amount of times you go, well, this is is the way things go. Mm. And they're never right. My thing is like, follow follow, follow your heart. And you will lose. (laughs) It's a weird... Weird emotions I feel about it. <laughs> but I would rather lose. I'd rather on lose terms. on my terms. Love that. 
What is it? And that's probably make I probably sound like such a prick. Not at all. I reckon I do. I don't. I think. I think you've put forward a very, very, very eloquent, intelligent argument for money. Bob. I feel like my heart is going mad because I've never told anyone how much I care about this film. Moneyball <laughs> is. I feel about Moneyball the way like NRA people feel about guns. <laughs> <laughs> like I would go to rallies. I think it's the fucking Moneyball. best. Moneyball. <laughs> I think it's the best film. I. It's, so is it your answer to what's your favourite and what's the greatest film? No, it's not what's the greatest film. Okay. Because it has no cultural impact. Wow. Okay. It is on you. Okay. It's weird, man, because like, The Social Network came out yeah. about the same time, and that film everyone goes, oh, it's a classic. Mm. I'm like, ball. What happened to Moneyball? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm very sorry about how long-winded that answer was. It's, uh, and it probably made no sense and made me seem like a twat, and I hope it didn't. Listeners, I'm sorry. Promise you, it didn't. What is the film that you thought was the sexiest? The first film I remember really fancying a woman mm-hmm. was uh, Nicole Kidman in whatever Batman she was in. Batman, Batman Forever. Forever. Yes, I remember seeing that and thinking, "Whoa, hello, she's she's hot stuff." Yeah, and then there's a scene where she's really like she kind of touches Batman's suit, mm. and she says, "Rubber nipples." Yeah. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't Batman say that. Forever. I wouldn't say Batman Forever is a sexy film, but I definitely Batman Forever is your sexual I, awakening. I mean, I don't know if <laughs> it would explain a lot if <laughs> my sexual awakening was it was a riddle on riddles and I don't know. I, that was the first time I remember fancying a character okay. and wanting her to be on screen more because <laughs> I want. And I, I only looked back and realised I fancied her at the mm. time. Was that weird? No. I, I fancied Nicole Kidman in Batman Forever. I feel like I've lost my composure after that Moneyball thing. I feel I've re- I feel really vulnerable, Brett. You're doing so brilliant. I feel so promise. vulnerable, mate. You're, you're honestly, I would not let you look like a dickhead on this. Good, being brilliant. What is the film? Oh, this is a, often a vulnerable answer, though. But it's hopefully fine. Mm-hmm. It's my favourite question. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film, but because of the experience around seeing it. So you'll always remember that film because that was the day it was your first date or it was the day you lost your job or it was the day someone died. It could be anything, but you'll go, that film means that to me. The film is Trainwreck. Right, Amy Schumer's Trainwreck. Amy Schumer's Trainwreck. And it is for one of the reasons that you stated, which is I was on one of my first dates with my now girlfriend uh. and uh, we were she was living in Spain yes and it was in Granada and I'd flown to Granada to see her and and uh, I think on the last night before I left we were just lying in bed and she put on this film train wreck she yeah. was like oh, let's watch a film and it was the type of film that I would never ever watch why at the time because I was probably a pretentious not pretentious ass but I just would never have watched it you just had Moneyball and a loop. I haven't got time for other films. Why are we watching Moneyball again? We've watched it five times, Sean. You've only been in one day. Look, we're going to the Moneyball rally tomorrow. <laughs> I need to know my shit. I'm the key speaker. Uh, the problem with film, here's the problem with films in general, Yeah, is films, watching films makes people think their lives, are makes people view their lives in terms of it's a film. Yes. But I guess... If you were to make a film of my life, yeah. the scene of me watching Trainwreck 
was probably the scene of me learning to let go of a lot of my hang-ups and start enjoying my life. Wow. There you go. Is that what you want? Yeah. Is that what you want, Brett? That gave me a shiver. Because I'd never, you know, I'd not had that much romance. My mm-hmm. 20s, I was very unhappy. I mean, I was, it's not, I don't deserve any sympathy. I was a pitiable, stupid wiener. <laughs> and I needed, I needed the cold, hard kick up the ass that Moneyball gave me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, my, me and my girlfriend were long distance for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'd never, you know. I'd never, you know, I'd never had anything like that. And I, I, I'd never travelled enough. That was kind of always a regret. She lived in Spain. I just, with her, it's like, I really went for it. Mm. And I remember just being in Spain thinking, I've, I've done, this is an adventure. This is one mm. of those things that I always thought I'd never have. And you were like, I shouldn't be so snobby about films like Trainway. This is really good fun. Yeah. And I, I'm not like a film snob. Yeah. At all. But like, Trainway is really good, I think. Yeah. I don't really know anything about Amy Schumer. It's, it seems that people don't like her, but the only thing I've ever seen of hers is Trainwreck, and I think that's that's pretty good. Oh, that's such a lovely story. Yeah. She's got... I definitely was like... I was falling in love at that point as well, so it's kind of that. My girlfriend's got this huge laugh. It's great. And oh. It's kind of infectious. Did you go off into another room and come back in dressed up as a cheerleader? <laughs> that is a disaster, isn't it? <laughs> the ending of Trainwreck is a disaster, I think. It's a train wreck. Ironically, yeah. Yeah. I've only seen it once. Yeah. But I wonder if Judd Apatow ruined that film. Because yeah. he has a tendency to it's the question. turn everything into weird, very almost old-fashioned mm. style romances. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, would like not, see... I, I loved watching that film with my girlfriend. That's a lovely answer. What is the greatest film of all time? Objectively, not necessarily your favourite, but you go, this is the greatest yeah. film in cinema. I think... I guess, I guess I'm a little biased here because I really... I, it's also genuinely one of my favourites. And that is Citizen Kane. Oh, well, I mean, about time someone said it. Has no one said it? No one says it. Citizen Kane gets like a bad rep because it's the greatest... You know, it was critically the greatest film of all time for so many years. It's well, good, isn't it? Citizen Kane is yeah. really entertaining. Yeah, that's what... Like, it's gripping. I always try to tell people who haven't seen it, I'm like, it's not boring. I know you think it's going to be boring. It's, it's, Citizen it's Kane. not a chore. It's really, like... Yeah, it's fun. I think it's, like, really great. Yeah. I've, it's, I've seen it maybe ten times. Right. I just... I think it's amazing. I think it's so amazing. Yeah. Because it was, it was the sight and sound poll... Yes. And it was always top, and now it's second. Now it's second to Vertigo, which Vertigo. I do think is fucking great. Is that your answer? Vertigo? I think that would be my answer. Well, yeah. That, well, I got a three. I think Citizen Kane, when you say the greatest, you have to... It's kind of like what it did to cinema. Yeah. What it means to people who make films. I mean, I love Orson Welles. I've sort of... I've got a bit of a... I, ha- I was a period where I was really obsessed with him. Really? And so maybe it's just because I... I know a lot about him. What's your, like, if you can briefly, like, what's your thing about him that you think that's why you got obsessed with him? Why him? Uh, Because I, I mean, I read Simon Callow's massive books about him. I think you have no option, but... uh, I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think he was so incredibly talented. Mm. Like, on on a level that's sort of very rare. And he was 25 years old and he yeah. made the greatest film ever made. He was 25. And he had it all. He, I mean, it was all there. Yeah. And, he, and then it just, 
it's what is mad about Citizen Kane is that the character's trajectory is the same as Orson Welles. Yeah. And physically as well. And physically. I mean, yeah. it's, it is remarkable. I wonder if in the back of his head, Orson Welles knew he'd fuck it up. Yeah. Because he made a film about... He made his own biopic. Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> Isn't that weird? He made his I didn't, future. I mean, I've read that. I think other people... It's not like I've thought he, that. He made his future. I think, But Citizen Kane is like... Uh, I think it's the he's the best character. Mm. It's weird. It shouldn't seem like a wanker answer, that, but I feel like maybe it is. No, it, but it's just... I think it's the sort of film that's almost, like, been... Almost punished by being the greatest film of all time. You know, mm. it puts people off. You go, it seems like I've got to eat my greens. It's not like The Seventh that. Seal, where no, you where go, well, at least I've done work. something. Yeah. Yeah, watching The Seventh Seal is like climbing... Yeah. A mountain, yeah, it really hurts, but you've done it. You feel good. At the end Citizen of it. Kane is like riding a roller coaster. Agree. And the way, the way it moves, I just it's it's, it's remarkable, really. It's, <laughs> it is just it is. remarkable, like the way all the timelines move around, but you have you're completely aware of what's going on. Yeah. And he's not even in it for twenty five minutes. And yes, I mean I could go on about this a lot. Yeah. The whole... They tell you everything that's going to happen in the film in the first five minutes. Yeah. Because the, it starts with the, with the news footage of reporting on his death. Yeah. And it gives his entire obituary. Which means... I mean, what what is it? The whole... You know the whole plot in the first five minutes. Yeah. N- that is ridiculous for that film. The, the beginning of Citizen Kane is you being told the entire plot of the film you're about to see. And then a reporter has to ask all the people in his life about this word, Rosebud. And the first person he asks is one of her ex-wives, who says, go away, I don't want to talk to you. And then he does. (laughs) It's like in a video game, when you go to a bit, but you haven't got enough stats to to be there. It's unbelievable. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine writing that script? No. This is such good answers, Sean. You're you're really (laughs) so well. I think Orson Welles is... Is is amazing. Yeah, I think he's. I think he was incredible because he also. People say his his career was a failure. He made so many amazing films. Mm-hmm. Touch of a Touch of Evil could have been my choice for the greatest yeah. film ever. The year after Citizen Kane, he made The Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah, which and got I, fucked about. With. Yeah, got totally screwed over. But he did let himself get screwed over as well. He's so a very complicated what? figure. How did he let himself get screwed over? Because he was in South America making a documentary for the government right. when when he should have been editing that film. Oh, okay. Simon Callow wrote these books. Have you read them? No. Are you aware of them? No. This, this is made, maybe makes me seem like I know more about film. But everything I've said in this podcast is everything I know. Well, you, it's brilliant. That's <laughs> all I know. I don't yeah. know anything else. Simon Callow wrote these books about... He's currently in the process of writing a biography of Orson Welles. Right. Well, what were the first two books? The first book is 600 pages long and it's about the first 25 years of his life. Because by the time he'd made Citizen Kane, he'd already done... He'd been on the front cover of Time magazine for his theatre work. He directed an all-black version of Macbeth in Harlem. Wow. He'd done The War of the Worlds when he was 23. Oh, he did The War of the Worlds before... Yeah, he was, 20, was... He was 23 years old. Bloody hell. What a guy. Ridiculous. And probably a prick as well. Like a massive prick and unbearable. Yeah, I'm sure. But, I don't know. Clever boy. Gotta say, clever boy. (laughs) 
We'll never <laughs> no, see. Spoiler alert at the end of Citizen Kane. Someone looks to the camera and goes, clever boy. Clever girl. What is the film that made you laugh the most? You're in comedy. What's the funniest? This one was really tough, actually. Yeah. Because there's too, there's too many I love. You can have three and then pick one. <laughs> the ones that have actually... There's two that I remember actually laughing yes. so much. I was on my own watching them and laughing. Oh, great. Napoleon Dynamite. Lovely. So funny. Yeah. I still think it's funny. I think it holds up. The Birdcage. I love The Birdcage and was thinking about it just today. I think The Birdcage is having... A moment. I think people are falling back in love with the birdcage. And I think that screenplay is perfect. May I say something? May I say something about the birdcage? You can say whatever you want, my son. The birdcage? Yep. Top five last lines in any film ever. Oh my God. The last line is the perfect last line and it's never talked about. It's better than the one in Some Like It Hot. Yeah. It's similar thing and it's better. Last line. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, you couldn't write a better routine to have that as your, your punchline. By the way, listen to show, the last line is 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> Mad. Four years before 9-11. Um, so, so, it's weird how Brett loves it, all right? Listeners? <laughs> it's definitely a good line. <laughs> I think the birdcage is just great. I think it's so right. great. And I think... It's your second just, Winning's film on the list. Third, pop oh, yeah. Third, Fourth, he's in AI. Fuck! He's the he's the he plays the pitch in Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> what was your third comedy answer? Um, <laughs> there's too many. I love I love Team America. Yeah, Team America's great. Really I think good. Team America's like just great. Yeah, it's also just a, a t- as a technical achievement, it's pre- mm. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, like they'll never make a film like that again. No, I don't think they want to. I think they hated it. I think it killed them. Yeah. yeah. I think they were like, oh, fuck it, you don't be this hard. I like their films, I like. Yeah. Like South Park, the movie's brilliant. South Park's an incredible satire. Yeah. Incredible musical as well. Yeah. It's brilliant, that film. Uh, but there's so, I mean, there's so many. Like all the classic comedies I really, like, I love the Big Lebowski, With Now and I, Airplane, all the Mel Brooks ones. I'm going to let you have the birdcage because no one's brought it up and I love that film. It, it's, it'd be nice, um, Underrated. it'd be nice for, for it to, I think it's rated quite highly, isn't it? I it's probably it not. Wasn't it's not when a it classic, but it's. Uh, I think it was sort of a three star. Yeah, but everyone's great at it. So great. Everyone's great. David Lane, so great. Gene Hackman, so great. It's a fucking. It's got uh, Ali McBeal in it. I it's don't know nothing. who. It's nothing. She says to her dad, the yeah. daughter. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's just a great. Um, it's one of those where you go, oh, they don't make them like this anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's got what films always used to have. The opening titles is long helicopter shot yeah. going over water to arrive in Miami. Films used to open with helicopter shots over water. That's a great ending, that film, isn't it? So great. Isn't it great? Um, cool. Uh, we can do quickly. Very quickly. What's your worst film you've ever seen? The Internship. Uh, is that Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway? No, that's good. Oh, you mean the... I can live with that. Sandra Bullock? I mean... Uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Oh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Google in a two-hour advert for fucking Google. Okay, and it is fucking pathetic. <laughs> it is fucking. It's shit script. Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean it's just shit. It's yeah. not funny. The characters are all shit. Yeah. I mean, let's take a. I mean, morally, I have a problem with it. Yeah. Because it's just an advert for Google. That's fair. That's all it is. 
And I think all the characters are in it. I think they're pathetic. I think they should all be ashamed of themselves. I really just think it's it's the it's the death rattle of society that we're letting shit like that happen. <laughs> pathetic. The whole film is about how great Google is, and I'm meant to believe that they were. It's just pathetic, and the jokes are crap. Okay, this is a great answer. I could. I just hate it. Uh, I can't remember. Have I missed it? Oh, there's one more question, but I can't remember what it is. Which one have I wa- watched the most, or is it? Oh, okay, thank watch? you. What is the <laughs> film that you have watched the most over and over, or could watch the most over and over? The film I've watched the most, yeah. I could never watch again because I've watched it too much. It's what? Star Trek First Contact. Really? Tom Hardy? No, bro! Hang on, First that's Contact. Nemesis. Oh, that's Nemesis. That's Nemesis. That could have been my worst film ever. Okay, Star Trek First Contact is Patrick Stewart. And it goes... Double feature. Moneyball, First Contact. The Sean McLaughlin double feature, that is. Tell me First Contact, I have seen it. It's The Borg. It's the one with The Borg. That is the best one. It's the best one. Right. Well, I think Rafa Khan is probably better. Okay. But of the new generation. Yeah, yeah. Next generation. Apologies. That's fine. I just... I think it's a really well done film. I think it flies along. It's got you... It's got everything you'd want in like a blockbuster. You love a Star Trek? I love. I am a big Star Trek fan. Okay, which helps. Didn't know that about you. Big fan. My okay. wallet is. Uh, I haven't got it with me. <laughs> I've, I've been robbed. <laughs> Fuck. Um, oh, yeah, you mean I think this I, wallet. I've watched it. So, I I wonder if I know every line in that film. I've really? watched it so much. I think it's great. I think yeah. it's just so. I love the characters anyway because I love the TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's just Jonathan Frakes who plays Riker directed it. Yeah, it was his directorial debut. I have. I think there is somewhere an alternate universe where he had an amazing career as a filmmaker. Cause He'd I think done a few, didn't he? He did that, which made a lot of money and got a lot of critical yeah. acclaim. Got nominated for a couple Oscars, even. There we go. For special effects? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be for screenwriting, is it? <laughs> he did the next Star Trek one, yeah. which also, I mean, he's a bit shit. No, it's fine. No, that's Insurrection. Oh, Insurrection. With F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. That one's bad. Vulcan ones. No. No? I don't know. I have seen Insurrection. It's not good. Insurrection's a problem because I think the crew are wrong. Oh, really? That's funny. (laughs) You watch it and you're meant to... And I keep going, yeah, but you are wrong here. (laughs) I like that. Um, But then he directed the Thunderbirds film. That is a Uh... a catastrophe. And that killed him, I think. But he does a lot of TV directing. But I, I think, you look at First Contact, even now, it's made in 96 for like 45 million. Even now, it looks amazing. He really got every ounce of potential out of that, that whole thing. What's your favourite film? Moneyball. Moneyball. Uh, Sean, you've been absolutely cracking. I hope so. You've been wonderful. I've loved all these answers. I've loved everything. But there's one more thing I have to tell you, which is when, and now we know who it was, Google shot you in the back as you were spreading peace because they saw that on your leaflet it wasn't just about peace was it It was also trying to get rid of the internship from existence fucking internship they shot you in the back but they shot you with the armor piercing bullets from lethal weapon (laughs) three that uh exploded you and basically it's a mess yeah and we scraped you up you were all over the street this poor person who lived at number 23 when they answered their door, it was covered in bits oh. of it. It was awful. It was all over the leaflets, everything. The leaflets scattered everywhere, bits of your body. Anyway, we scoop it all up. We got it in the coffin. It was a lot more than we 
had planned. I don't think it's just you. We've picked up, picked up others. Anyway, mm. the point is the coffin is full. It's too full. There is only really room for one DVD yeah. that you can take with you to the other side. On the other side, there's movie night every night. One night, it's your movie night. What film do you take it? <laughs> what do you think? Wayne's World 2. <laughs> the big one. Austin Powers 2. <laughs> film t- taste is cyclical. It's going to come back. You're t- you're- I'd take Moneyball. I really love that film. You're taking Moneyball, and you know what? People are, having a, are really excited because no one's taking Moneyball. I hope so. And most of them are like, yeah, I saw that. I don't have any particular feelings about it. And then you do a three and a half hour rant before. <laughs> and then people are going to be like, I don't know anything about baseball. I go, there's no baseball in it. And, then some, people baseball, go, and some people idiot. go, oh, great, I love baseball. You go, there's no baseball in it. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about trying to live up to your youth. And at the end, everyone's everyone's scared of you and they just go, yeah, it was brilliant, it was brilliant. (laughs) brilliant. It was great, please calm down. Uh, Sean McLaughlin, is there anything you would like to say before you leave? Anything you need to plug, anything like that? I have a podcast. Yes, and it's really good. Moneyball Podcast. (laughs) Nominated, award nominated podcast. I've got a new one now. (gasps) What? It's called Sean and Elliot Read the Bible. It's me and Elliot from our last podcast. Yes. We're going through the Bible. And we're turning it into jokes. Great idea. And it shouldn't work. And it might not work. <laughs> that's Moneyball. But that's Moneyball, guys. Uh, uh, so that. And then I'm doing You're shows. touring soon, right? Sorry. Yes. I really recommend you go see Sean's show. It's, it's fucking brilliant. Thanks. It's really brilliant. It's all at the Soho Theatre on the 1st and 2nd of March. There you go. Just hook me up on Bebo. He's on Bebo. <laughs> I'm on Bebo on the Hubbo Hotel. I'm loyal. What a delight. Was it all right? Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, and, everyone. Um, and I'll see you. I guess I'm going to have to sit through Moneyball again, and I will see you there. <laughs> Good night. See you soon. So that was episode 30. Please head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you'll find extra stuff, help support the show and you can find lots of videos and guest list tickets, all sorts of stuff like that. If you do enjoy this show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the only reason that apparently it helps our numbers and it means more people get to hear it and it means I can keep making it etc etc and you can hear it every week and we can keep doing this until we all die or the internet explodes and kills us anyway. Thank you so much to Sean for doing it, especially with a hangover. It was a real joy to spend time with him. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. To Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. And thank you all for listening. I will see you next week for a special Valentine's episode with the most romantic man in comedy, Matthew Crosby. But in the meantime, all of you, please have a nice week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops... 
BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.